The most important thing you could share with me today is your perspective. Because the freedom of perspective fuels the logic we use to defend truth. We never stop fighting for freedom and truth, and that is what makes us Americans. Welcome to Critical Thought with Noah Chalaya. News Radio 1310 KNOX 107.9 103.3 FM. Good morning. It is 11.06, 57 degrees. We make our way to a daytime high of 71 this morning. The U.S. top worker lawyer plans to crack down on businesses' ability to spy on their workers. Close content surveillance and management systems through electronic means have been threatening employees' basic ability to exercise their rights, says Jennifer Abuzo in a memo. The use of workplace monitoring devices exploded during the pandemic. About 60% of large employers use monitoring tools today, double that of the pre-pandemic level. Newsweek then reported that white-collar workers shift to remote work means millions of employees are subject to so-called bossware software. Screenshots and websites every, excuse me, that takes screenshots of the websites they visit, records their faces, their voices, their keystrokes, tracks their location, and monitors their calls and text messages. So I'm interested in your thoughts on this 775-5559. Pretty simple question. Are you for this or are you against this? I'm going to start with being for this. Here is the here is the advantage to this. If you are to go to an employer and say, we think you should send all of your employees home. Well, um, if I do that, if I send my entire team home, then what am I going to do? How do I keep an eye on them? How do I know if they're productive? How do I know if they're even working? How do I know if the job gets done? How do I know that what they're doing on the company device that we gave them, we paid for, and ultimately we're responsible for? How do we know any of that? And so the answer comes back. You go to your IT firm, you go to your tech guy, and he says, well, we can install this piece of software on the computer, and it will screenshot the websites they go to, and it'll keep track. If they, they're sitting there and their mouse isn't moving for a certain amount of time, it'll send up a red flag so you can know that, hey, they've just been sitting on this screen. They haven't actually done anything. That's how we would keep track of people and make sure they're productive. The downside here is employees are saying, well, what if we want to, like, what if I have a concern with a supervisor? And so I open uh, email up to write an email to HR or I open a chat thing up or I start a voice call and my manager who can see and hear and watch everything I do hears or sees or reads me complaining about him or her, you know, to 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 another entity or another party. Or maybe I just want to get an idea from one of my coworkers if I'm kind of off in my own land or if this kind of makes some sense, if I'm really onto something here, companies like Google have automated systems that will send a flag to a manager if there's a meeting of any more than 100 people. And Google's defense of that is essentially, if there's a decision being made by that many of our employees, we want to be in on it. It needs to be above board. So we want to be told anytime employees get together, if there's more than 100 of them. And I this presents a wide range of privacy problems, right? If you have ever participated in a test, in which you have taken the test from home, then you know there is like a certification, certification isn't the right word, but there is a 
verification procedure to ensure as best as they can that you're not cheating remotely. And so it looks something like this. You sit down to take the test. You log on to the site at the appropriate time. The test watcher who sits in a facility asks you to pick up your laptop and scan the room. And so you you pick up the computer and you spin around or tablet or whatever it is you're using and you spin around in a complete circle and they photograph the entire room, everything that's around the room to make sure you don't have like, you know, the textbook with the answer sitting out right in front of the laptop or something like that. Uh, and then they have very sophisticated algorithms that will watch where your eyes are. And so if your eyes are where everybody else's eyes are as it relates to the computer screen, doesn't see a problem. If your eyes are constantly going up and to the left or up and to the right or down to the left or down to the right, something that is atypical of most people taking that test, it flags it. And then they'll say, hey, I want you to turn the camera. I want to see what's up and to the right. And you have to do it. And then, oh, look at that. There's, you know, they have a friend that's hanging from the ceiling and showing them the answer, whatever it is, right? It's a nice idea. And it is the most logical way to approach the problem when you say you've got all of these people at home and now we have to do things that were traditionally done in a controlled environment. Things like take a test or perform a job task or have you know a conversation or stay connected to your work colleagues. But the privacy implication of bringing phones and mic- or cameras and microphones into a house and then giving control of that over to an employee is simply unpalatable for a lot of people. And when it's gone to court, I don't know that I've seen one that has gone to court in the way of work, but it's absolutely gone into court in the way of test taking for education. And the court has come back and said, no, you do not get to tell students that they have to spin around and show you their entire room. The student that brought that particular complaint was a student who had tax records set out on in his room. He lived in a dorm room. He's taking a test and they said, well, you got to do it online. And as part of that, you have to submit to this, you know, pretest screening thing. And as part of that, they wanted him to spin around and take pictures of everything. So he did. All of his tax returns are out. So he filed a case and said, now they have copies of all of my tax returns because they were left out and they were nowhere near where I was taking the test, but they wanted to see the whole room. And a judge agreed with him and said, yeah, you, they can't do that. So now we're going to talk about it from the standpoint of work. The downside to fighting back, pushing back on this too hard is There's absolutely a reasonable middle ground, and there's probably a fair line that we can draw somewhere in the sand and then say, this is reasonable for you to kind of do this. This is unreasonable. And if you push back on that too hard and we can't agree on where that line in the sand is, eventually what employers are going to do is say, you know what? There's just no we don't have the tools or methods that we can that we feel comfortable sending people home. So instead, We just want people to come into the office and then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have any privacy at our office because it's our office so we can do whatever we want and you can show up here and you can work here or you can sit at home if you want and we won't pay you your choice. And then you get to make the choice. Do you want to go in and subject yourself to that kind of surveillance or do you want to stay home and not have a job? And if that becomes the question, wouldn't you rather just have the surveillance inside of your designated work area at home? And does it really matter? But again, I'll ask you at 775-5559, a text messenger writes to that number and says, the number of mouse clicks or keystrokes logged is not indicative of productivity. That's where managers fall down. Micromanagement is often a bane of good workers, and those who are sham are not going to be productive no matter how much watching is done. So I have some firsthand insight on this. You want to know when companies go to roll out uh, these monitoring software platforms, you know where the largest objection comes from? Because it's not the workers. 
the vast majority of the workers don't even know the policy is coming or that 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 action is being talked about by leadership and, and managers of the company. So they're not the ones that are complaining. You know who the first people to throw up an objection is? The managers. And it's not that they don't want the platform rolled out because they're the ones signing off on it. They're the ones paying for it. They're the ones that are rolling it out. They just don't want it on their computer. They want it on all the workers' computers. They want to see what everybody else is up to. But the second you say, okay, so we're rolling this client out to all the machines. Yeah, okay, sounds good. Let me know when I can get to your machine and your manager's machine. Your whoa, 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 whoa. My machine. Yeah, you said all of them. <laughs> You're not putting that on my machine. Nobody's going to watch what I'm doing. And they draw a line very quickly. Why? Because they trust themselves to do the job. They trust themselves to be productive. They trust themselves to have integrity, but they don't trust their workers to have integrity. They don't trust their workers to stay on task. They don't trust their workers to perform. And so they look to software solutions to try to taper that. But I'm interested in your thoughts. 775-5559. I could really go either way with this. Uh, so I'd appreciate some insight. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Yeah, but I, I've uh, I know of an instance where I won't I won't name a, a company or whatever, but it, it was a you know metal metal fabrication and stuff like that, and the workers didn't like it. First, they started making faces and stuff like that at the cameras. <laughs> you know, they just thought it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They know who they know. They know what work was getting done. Mm-hmm. Where they had problems, you know, if they had problems, the workers would come forward and say, "Hey, we're a little behind on this one because of this. Mm-hmm. We need to go back and re- redesign something or something." Mm-hmm. You know, and that right there shows you that a lot you can get a lot of good information from the workers. So, you know, they're yeah. finally they just sat down and and uh, talked about it and everything, and everybody got sick of it and. Next thing you know, the, the guys, are, uh, the managers are sitting in their offices and, hey, there's Bob's ass. <laughs> you know, they started dropping their pants and they took the cameras down. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, and I know workers around this, this area. You got, you got your lazy guys mm-hmm. and, you, and you got your other guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, you can't weed them all out. Hey, Bob's our best welder. But he showed us his ass. Uh huh. You know, and what do you do? <laughs> it's like he just doesn't want to be bothered. He goes in every day and and does his work and everything like that. And then you know, there's some of the other workers that a lot of you know don't want to show up or they don't show up on time. And those are easy to get rid of. Uh-huh. Th- those are easy easy to get rid of. But right out on the floor, when when you're sitting there and you feel that somebody's staring down at you. Yeah, there's pressure. There's pressure. You know, and what you know, what Enough. you what you bring to light, and I thank you for the call. Is it's not just when they're actually being watched. Even outside of that, even if nobody's actually looking at the camera, the fact that there's a camera there creates this idea of like constant surveillance. Right? Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. I think the micromanaging aspect of this is really awful because just. I've watched people who look really busy but accomplish nothing, <laughs> yep. and the people that, that make it look easy are the ones that are very productive and are getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. You should be setting goals. You should be having people meet those goals, and as long as it's legal, it shouldn't matter how they're getting it done if, as long as it's getting done. Yep. When I worked, my van actually was my office, 
and my boss, my new boss, came out and told all five of us who worked there how we were going to organize our van exactly the same way he had his organized <laughs> because that was the most effective way to do it. It would be like I came into your office and told you how to organize your desk. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and it, it is. But this is this is very similar to what's going on here. Uh-huh. The other thing that bothers me about this is it's getting people accustomed to being consistently monitored even in their own homes. And what is the FBI doing out on Facebook, Twitter, and everything else? They're constantly monitoring people mm-hmm. on your cell phones mm-hmm. due to the Patriot Act. All your phone calls and texts are being monitored. All it is is another layer of making people go, well, there's nothing we can do about it anyway, rather than pushing back. You're absolutely right. hundred percent. Everything you said was absolutely on point. I thank you for the call. You're right. That is exactly what's happening. But when people start to question, when people say enough is enough, and here's what happens, right? It comes in these really horrific waves. Nobody cares about the monitoring. Nobody cares about the surveillance. Everybody's like, well, nothing we can do. And, oh, you know, I don't have anything to hide, right? That's kind of the attitude until, and this absolutely happened, a maintenance person at a school, not in North Dakota, but a maintenance person at a school gets access to the remote administration for laptops of students and starts turning their webcams on when they're at home inside of their bedrooms. And then it comes out and makes national news. And then people freak out and go, how is that even possible? Why were they allowed to do that? What? what why? Do you, because you consented to it. Because that's the agreement you signed when you took the stupid thing home from the school in the first place. And when they put these policies and software platforms in place, nobody questioned it. Nobody cared about it. So it just it flew under the radar until something bad happened. Then all of a sudden we care and we got outraged. But I push back from this perspective. What is the reaction from the employer going to be when people start throwing up a fuss and saying, I'm not consenting to that? Because they're, they remember, you work at the pleasure of the employer, particularly as it relates to North Dakota, where we're a right to work state. Like you can quit any time, but they can fire you at any time, too. So that has to be taken into account. We'll take the break here. We'll continue the discussion next. This is Critical Thought. News Radio 1310 KNOX 1079-1033 FM 1125 and 58 out. You know, as I hear that brighter future ND ad, I, I can't help but think to myself, I I really wish I could, f- I don't, I, I struggle to really wrap my head around this idea of we want to help people by putting them in jail. How does that help anybody? Uh, you, we shouldn't pass measure two because it's dangerous. So we're going to help you. We don't want people ruining their lives. So to prevent you from ruining your life, we'll leave a law in the books that will put you in jail if you use marijuana. That'll help you. I don't get it. There was another ad, too, kind of similar vein. Anyway, we're talking about the ability for companies to surveil their workers. And right now, it's already illegal 
for employers to surveil workers under what they call concerted protected activity. And that's a term that encompasses communication and meetings about work conditions or having meetings to decide whether or not employees want to unionize or having meetings just to discuss working conditions or even an individual supervisor. And so these are some of the things that come into play when we start talking about rolling out software platforms that allow employers to monitor uh, employees when they're working from home. Things like access to their microphones, their cameras, their screenshots, and what they're doing. We've heard from callers throughout the hour that have said things like, that doesn't increase productivity. In fact, nobody can really point to, yeah, we put this software on people's computers or we implement these policies, and all of a sudden people are just more productive. The same thing is true with all of this that was true before all of this, which is that in any career, in any job description, in any company, you're going to have high performers and you're going to have low performers and the high performers, they're not going to necessarily, well, actually that's not true. So you have high performers and you have low performers, the low performers, you're not going to change if they weren't, they weren't working beforehand, just putting monitoring software, they'll just, they'll move the mouse around or, and I've absolutely seen this. They'll come up with ways to try to skirt the system. So if it's looking for mouse activity, they come up with ways that makes the mouse move all the time. If they're looking for, you know, changes on the screen, they come up with auto scroll, uh, you know, add ons for Firefox or Chrome that scroll the page up and down so that it, it, it doesn't trigger. They're not getting any more work done. They're just finding ways to get around the system. The opposite side, though, is people who were productive beforehand. Now you've opened the door for them to be less productive because now you've added an impetus to their work. In addition to the actual challenge of work, in addition to the actual thing that you've asked them to do, now you've put an additional barrier in place that they have to contend with, they have to answer for, and they have to be held accountable for. And people who are high achievers, people who like getting stuff done, and people who get satisfaction in doing good work, take that stuff seriously. Well, if they say what they care about is that the screen moves very often, or I click on something, or that I'm always sitting in front of my webcam, and or I'm not doodling, whatever the, whatever the thing is, whatever the metric is, it tends to get in the way of people who want to do good work. So I can comment on this a little bit at the first-hand perspective from latent broadcasting. Everybody in this building, in fact, probably everybody at this entire company, because we own 26 radio stations, it's big boy rules. You know, nobody is sitting there, you know, when you walk in the door, you don't punch a clock per se. Just, I was here, I came in, and I, you know, I go on the air at nine, so I have to be here at, you know, 730 in the morning or whatever it is. There's nobody there to to check or cares. They will notice if 90, whatever it would be, 906 rolls around and Doug comes off of the newsroom and there's nobody there to start talking. That's the first time that somebody's going to notice there's a failure. Now that failure will likely be met with, I'd be sitting in Jared's office and we'd have a conversation about my lack of professional responsibility. But it wouldn't get to that point until I missed the mark. And until that happens, for the most part, this place is a great example of Everybody stays out of your way so that you can get the job done. When you have a problem, when you need something, money, somebody's giving you a hard time, something is in your way and preventing you from do something, there's absolutely the resources to walk into Jared's office and say, hey, this isn't working. And he goes, you know, in his teddy bear cuddly voice, sure, yeah, we can fix that. What do I need? I need to buy something. I need to beat somebody. What what, what needs to happen here? And then we take the appropriate action. Um, so I've seen the opposite work. I've never seen what we're discussing here work well. 
it seems it's only useful for checking boxes and, uh, you know, essentially being able to say we've done something for the sake of saying that we've done something. Thirteen ten KNOX 1079 1033 FM. Good morning, 1138 and 58 out as we make our way to a daytime high of 71. North Dakota regulators will hold a public hearing today to gather comments on the electrification of transportation. The federal bipartisan infrastructure law passed last year directs states to consider measures to promote greater electrification of the transportation sector including the establishment of rates that boost electric vehicle charging infrastructure and options, according to the State and Public Service Commission, which regulates electric utilities. So my question to you today at 775-5559 is, what, if anything, would you like to see from a regulation standpoint regarding electric cars? As the, you know, this is something you're going to hear more and more and more about because we are we are headed this direction. Uh, those of us that want to go in this direction and those of us that don't want to go in this direction combined are all headed in this direction. It's just the direction that our country and the world is going in. And on the surface, I would tell you, I support the concept of electric cars. I love the idea of a more cost effective long term way to operate a motor vehicle. And oh, by the way, it has the ability to run on the, the free nuclear reactor that sits in the sky. So I think on the surface, it's a great idea. The problem that I've had from the get-go and continue to have is we consistently put the cart before the horse. Instead of letting the technology and the needs of the consumer drive the market, we have decided that we just need to get there. And so we start with that end and try to work towards it as fast as possible. Now, I've been unsure from the get-go that that's the right approach, but this hearing to gather information on the electrification of transportation seems like the appropriate time to begin to ask some questions. Okay. I think it has a great potential to decentralize the concept of energy needs. I do. I think that the, I can't start a fuel refinery in my garage, but I could absolutely mount some solar panels to my roof and charge my electric vehicle. Now, we could debate if the little 100 or 200 watt panels that I can get and put on my garage are going to do anything significant, but at least it's a possibility. And as the technology increases, my ability to do that will only increase. The problem is we've heard over and over and over again that the complete electrification of our transportation sector is just not possible. It's not possible with today's technology. It's not possible with today's budget. And so I have to ask, what is the driving factor behind this? Because if it isn't consumer desire, it's not consumer needs. People don't have electric cars and are asking how we can better support the infrastructure for their electric cars. We don't have yet a problem, a, a real problem with fuel. We have artificial barriers in place preventing us from getting to the fuel, but we have plenty of it. And I don't entirely buy the whole, you know, green energy thing I don't dispute that we are putting carbon into the air. I just question if we actually know enough about the earth and its cycles in order to make an educated decision on what makes sense or doesn't make sense. But I'm interested in your thoughts. 775-59. What regulations, if any, would you like to see put in place 
that will help us regulate the use rollout of electric cars. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. Well, since you asked, Noah, first of all, I never miss an opportunity to say that man-made climate change is a lie, a scam, a sham, a fake, a hoax, a fabrication by the religious uh, worshipers of the earth. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as what regulation should be in place is, it should totally be dependent upon the private sector. The government should do nothing. If you want your car charged, buy a long extension cord on the highway. That's up to you. If if the private sector, say a gas station, wants to put some charging things, that's fine. I am totally opposed to the government subsidizing this industry whatsoever. Get get out of it. And if they do put them in, uh, those charging stations better pay the cost of electricity. The person that charges, they should be paying not only the cost of electricity, they should repay the cost of the government putting them in. It's nothing but a, it's nothing but a subsidy to an industry that would not exist if the government wasn't mandating it. So your, what would your thoughts be then on the $1 trillion infrastructure bill that they want to install EV chargers along the interstate and highways over the next five years? That would be a big fat no. Did, did the federal government build gas stations? That's a really great point. We had the gas stations because it was driven by consumer demand. People needed gas for the vehicles that they wanted to have. Now you have, you're forcing people through law to purchase the vehicle and you're forcing people through the rule of law to to confiscate their money and build the charging stations to build the vehicles they didn't want in the first place. They're more expensive than regular cars. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget to your point, California which has approximately 3% electric cars, was, was telling people not to charge them because the grid couldn't handle it. Yep. So if they can't, if California, I might add the armpit of America, can't handle 3% <laughs> of their cars charging, how can we handle 100%? And I'll close with this. Do not forget, it was just a few short years ago where Minnesota told everyone in northwest Minnesota to turn the thermostats down to 63 because after a snowstorm and a cold spell, the windmills were not turning because it was too cold. They turned them off. Mm -hmm. And the solar panels were covered in snow, so they were not accumulating sunlight. So therefore, if we were totally dependent on solar Uh and wind, which is what the earth worshipers want us to be, Uh you would have no energy in Minnesota, and people are going to die because of these people who worship dirt. Wait, so what happened to all the coal plants that were providing power? They couldn't provide the natural gas was being now people need to realize this as more natural gas plants are being used to create electricity. Uh-huh. That leaves the less natural gas on the market to heat your house. Two separate systems. Gotcha. So we're going to natural gas to get rid of coal. And eventually they want to get rid of natural gas. So a double closing point then. For all you people, watch your XL bills if you're in town. First of all, they're going to be higher than last year. But not only will your heating costs go up, your electricity costs have already gone up because as they burn more natural gas, it leaves less on the market for the other side. Therefore, you're creating more supply, I mean more demand Mm -hmm. than you have supply. Pay attention to that. You're going to get hit on both sides of your bill, and you can thank the earth worshipers for that. 
I appreciate the call. Thanks. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. As a person who might describe myself as an earth worshiper, if uh, the previous caller doesn't like the earth, then he can go find another planet to live on. But uh, Dr. Bjerke, uh, Professor Emeritus of Climatology and Atmospheric Physics, I, you know, I don't know where he gets off on that sort of talk. You know, he's smarter than all the other atmospheric physicists. That aside, I think you're right. You know, if people want to have electric cars, they can have electric cars. The North Dakota legislature was trying to squash charging units for a couple of sessions back unsuccessfully. But anyway, the market, they popped up everywhere anyway. You know, now they're in front of hotels or at restaurants and stuff like that. Yep, Target. So, so yeah, the market will take care of it. But your idea, yeah, of uh, putting the solar on houses, that that's been around for about five or six years in practice now. Mm-hmm. And if people want to, don't want to, there's a guy down in Fargo, John Bagu, he was a, he's a professor at NDSU, or was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, he put his house off the grid, but he would start out his statements on, I drive my electric car around, all around town for doing all sorts of things. I take it on trips. I never go to the gas station. That's mm-hmm. how he opened up all of his talks. And people just you know it when the gas is four dollars or something. Just jaws are dropping. You know, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Well, people want to do that. Fine, mm-hmm. it's an efficient way to to power our world, and and it has the added effect in cities mm-hmm. of making the air cleaner. We've been sitting here worried about catalytic converters and all sorts of crap for I don't know how long, mm-hmm. and this will help save some of the air pollution problem. Because even if you're using fossil fuels to take up the gap, let's say, mm-hmm. people don't have all of the the rooftop charging fast chargers mounted in their garage. Even if even if you do use that, I mean, you can control emissions at a air pollution emissions at a power plant, but you can't do it very well on three million cars. Yeah, you know. So the point is, you get clean air in cities. People drive around, and if if the rooftop chargers take off, that's great. But I don't think that the you know the government's just trying to give it a little nudge as they do with technologies to get them going, and then the private sector takes over. That was the way it was with wind power too. I you appreciate know, so. I, I appreciate your thoughts. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Um, I just want to take this moment to happily tell Terry Bukey that he's wrong. <laughs> Okay. It's uh, in regards to the coal. Uh, coal. You asked how why there's less coal power plants. Yeah. Yeah. It's not because we want to switch it all to natural gas. I mean, maybe that's part of it. But what's closing down the coal power plants is the green, the clean air initiative, and it was it's been happening since even before Trump was even in, uh, even a president. The ones in North Dakota have been closing down because it costs too much to get them back up to snuff, so they just shut them down. All right. Hey, I appreciate the call. I appreciate the information. 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning. I got some statistics here, and I can, like I said, I can, I can back this up. It's in whole, you know how much since 20, uh, since the year 2000. Mm-hmm. All the way up to 2021. The the uh, statistics are not in for 2022 yet. Bureau of Land Management and Forest 
uh, U.S. Forest Service land. Guess how much we spent on fire suppression? And mind you, it's getting to be a big business now. Private, private um, uh, uh, forest fighters, privatized companies, corporations now. They make money off of this stuff. Guess how much that we've spent? Tell me. From 2000, over $34 trillion. Wow. You know, and then the fire season never ends. And I didn't want to jump into this. You know, you're talking about electric cars and stuff. And this kind of changes the... the. Uh, and I'm not here to argue with Mr. Bierke. He believes what he does. And I, I you know... You respect but, it. I, but I've got, yeah, I've got pages of statistics. And these, these are government statistics. And one of the reasons, you know, if you look at the Forest Service... They're they're basically owned by the lumber companies, and they don't want the only reason they're putting those fires out there is they sell the lumber at a really reduced price to the lumber companies. It's it's a crop, and this is on your land, my land. Mm-hmm. That's the the trust land that you and I own mm-hmm. in perpetuity. I got to leave it there, sir. We'll take the last break here. This is critical thought. Radio 1310, KNOX 1079-1033 FM. Good morning, 1154 and 61. In the studio, Mr. Brian Michaels. Would you buy an EV? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't spend like $65,000 on like a Tesla where I don't own the car, but I could get it. I could see myself buying like one of those little Polaris Ranger type of a deals. If oh, they I, make them as well? I, I, there's some of them that are making the, okay. like the side-by-sides, but like if I could get one that had heat, air conditioning, and a car stereo, <laughs> like that's what I want, Brian. I want a car that I can go into. I push on the button. It gets me from point A to point B. I want to listen to music on the way there. I want four seats so I can take my kids with me. I need a car, trunk so I can call some cargo. And past that, I don't care. I don't care about the computer thing. I don't care yeah. about the navigation. I just... Point A to point B. It's, it's a remarkable to have seen how those have progressed over the years because we do the men's show yeah. in you know, February, March, and you see you know, all the dealers that sell those. They, they go out to the men's show. They have them on display. People buy them. Uh-huh. And just to see progressively over the last, say, 10, 12 years how they've gotten from just uh, you know a, a single to mm-hmm. a quad to a what. I mean, they're a vehicle. They're yeah, cars. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and pretty remarkable. How, and that's that's big business. And they're, they're uh, you know very typical North Dakota word up here. Oh, gosh, they're kind of spendy. Um, but people do like them and you see them all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't see them on the roads as much as I thought you would. You do. Want, I've got to go down to South Dakota again this weekend and I, I will see them there. I'll see them in Aberdeen on the roads okay. there too. And in some of the smaller towns going down. So you can drive them in Grand Forks now, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. As of what, two years that. ago or something yeah. like that? Yeah, they, they passed that. I, have, I haven't seen, I've seen some mostly on the weekend. Yeah. You know, but I haven't seen a lot of them. I could see myself doing that. No way in this century or next century would I spend sixty. But I don't even. I don't. I don't buy new cars. Like I buy used yeah. cars because I'm yeah, not paying. Yeah. So, uh, like the chances that I would buy, and you can't really do that with an electric car because you're kind of like cutting yourself off with the whole battery situation. That's where the value in the electric car is. So yeah, you know that for years the standard on a internal combustion engine, all that business, it used to be oh it's a hundred thousand. Right. Know, that's when you get rid of them. Well, now that's a lot different. Three hundred thousand. You know, I mean, they go a yeah. long time now. And you know? I, but I wonder what that standard is for them. Hours on the battery. I, I suppose they still. It's still miles 
to them on that deal. Still I think miles it's, on that. I think the battery is good for a thousand charge cycles or 10 years is the numbers I've seen thrown around. Okay. I don't have one. I don't know. I haven't, yeah, you know, I don't either, but I don't have one. Yeah. No, you I and I, you and I will be the dinosaurs. We'll be, uh, what's that? It's a gas guzzler. It's a gas it guzzler. makes noise when you start. Oh, it's, oh, it's so awesome. Crazy. So I think there is, I don't know if Tesla has this uh, or whoever, but I think that some of them actually make a noise, like a fake car noise. My gosh. Right? So it is. It's, yeah. It's, Check out my Harley. Did you get new pipes on it? No, I downloaded a new MP3, man. Doesn't it sound really good? <laughs> gas works. It Diesel does. works. Yep. It, it works really well. And we've got years and years and years and years to prove that. So, hey, uh, this might be one of the last shows I do. Well, maybe not. I mean, I'm I'm planning to win the Powerball. Okay. I'm planning for it. Um, I'm thinking positive. Okay. And that I've, I've read that that works. Yeah. So I'm, I've yet to buy the tickets. Visualize success. Yes. That's what I'm doing. Okay. And exactly. And uh, so, but we talked a little bit about that yesterday. Okay. You know, I was surprised people were like, oh, I would buy this and that and do this. Wow. Yeah. What would you, what are you going to do? You're going to, I, well, you retire. Yeah. You know, I, I might, I, well, with technology and your help, I could probably do my show the noon to three anywhere. Absolutely. You know, from, no, we uh, make that happen. from Hawaii, wherever yeah. we'll fly you out, set yeah. it up, boom, yeah. bang, hook up a tie line, call it good. We would. Yeah. Tell you, I'm sure you would. Well, I would. <laughs> yes, you would. Like Brian, I, I can do that. You want, do you want to get connected? I can make it happen, Brian. <laughs> Tell you what, guy, it's <laughs> an internal Absolutely joke there. Done, guy. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I think we're going to have God talk today. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk to, to Pastor Paul. Saw him in Vegas, by the way. Did you? Yeah, at a restaurant, Tony Romas. Okay. I saw him, So, and we'll talk about uh, Vegas a little bit and that whole thing and just some of the scenes, like exactly what we talked about yesterday. Yeah. What you see, you see a battle for souls there. Yeah. You see everything. In did, Vegas, did you did, did, did you catch Pastor Paul out with uh, some of the hookers? Or God no, no. Oh, okay. Gee, why would you say that? Oh, I'm just asking. He's probably listening. No, absolutely not. Okay. He was sitting down well, maybe and he was enjoying ministering to them. Was I was in, thinking he well, was. Well, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. That's you go where the sinners are. <laughs> right? There's a I lot of customers yeah, there. Opportunities from far as I can see. Got all the souls I can save right here in Vegas. This is Critical Thought on News Radio 1310 KNOX. Thanks for listening to Critical Thought. Download the show notes at criticalthought.show. The content from this episode was taken from the live radio show, which airs every weekday from 9 a.m. to noon on News Talk 1310 KNOX. Streamed online at knoxradio.com.